Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Coming up on episode 24, Larry Ridley from out of New York gets the show started as the TV host on SNY TV, NBC, CBS, NBA 2K, and EA Madden discusses his work in video games as well as the NFC and AFC championships, plus Kyrie Irving's return to the Nets. And then we get into the WNBA and their exciting news around the announcement of the latest CBA with Jasmine Baker as the women's sports advocate, speaker, journalist, and PR consultant shares her thoughts on what this means for the growth of the game and all women's sports. This week in our Positive Vibes Only segment, we've got Reggie Oliver, a dancer and choreographer that's performed with the biggest names in music from Pitbull in a commercial on TV to Kiki Palmer, Tony Braxton, Kay Michelle, Macklemore. He's been on Nickelodeon, BET Awards, and that's all just to name a few. And closing out the show this week, we've got the Joker, Gerard Trotter, an artist from Kansas City, Missouri, who's won a number of awards, and he's closing out the show with one of his latest songs. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. It's time to go beyond the headlines Cause I don't put in overtime Just so I can headline Okay, now it's Fox Sports I'm live with Renee Going hard every day Sports rapping every play Different segments for your favorites Coming at you daily With positive vibes Yeah, we some game changers Basketball, football, soccer With different interviews You never know who may pop up Listen <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines. This is Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. This week on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, we've got Larry Ridley joining us from out of New York, a TV host on SNY TV, NBC Sports. He's been on NBA 2K, Madden, CBS. Larry, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here this week. Renee, it's good to talk to you. I'm glad we connected, man, and look forward to it. Yeah, and before we even get into the topics of what's going on in the NFL and the NBA, I have to ask, with Madden and 2K doing voicing, voiceovers, uh, can you just talk to us a little bit about that? I was, that's something that intrigued me right off the bat when I first met you way back when. I just had to know more. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the, the, both of those uh, you know, publishers and, uh, and games, they do some voice work. Uh, I, uh, I'm a sportscaster by trade like you. been on TV for 18 years now. Uh, 19 years. Um, so when I was in Orlando, a uh, little background, I started like in, you know, I played football at Middle Tennessee. I uh, wasn't good enough to play in the pros, of course. So I started this TV show my senior year. Kind of was kind of popular on campus. I started some internships. Then I got into my TV career after I was done playing football at Middle Tennessee. Um, I got my first job, worked in Kentucky. I went to Jackson, Mississippi. I uh, went to Miami. Uh, worked in Boston, worked in Nashville, uh, worked in Orlando, and then I'm, I've been here in New York the last four years. Uh, when I was in Orlando in 2012, I was a sports director for the NBC station, uh, and someone from EA, I didn't even realize EA was even in Orlando, but I got an email from one of their uh, managers and and uh, producers down there from uh, from Madden, uh, and he's like, hey, we, you know, he's like, I've, I've seen you on the news, I, I kind of like you, um, we're, we're like to bring you in for an audition. We're looking at uh, adding some new elements to the Madden video game. And I was like, holy cow, Madden. So, you know, I, I did the process. They, they liked it. I thought I did a good job during the audition. A couple of weeks later, I got an email that said, hey, you know, we liked you. We're going to pass on this opportunity because they were going to do like a sideline reporter on the Madden game. Um, 
And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. Then he's like, but we've got an even bigger role for you. And I was like, oh, okay, that's even, that's even better. So I uh, met with those guys. Then in 2013, we kind of you know, worked something out. I voiced some stuff in the game. Uh, and I voiced the game, the Madden game, from 2014 all the way through 2018 for five straight years. Wow. I did um, the pregame show. I did the postgame. And I did the halftime show. And I voiced some other elements in the game, like um, you know, uh, some other elements in the game uh, that, that people play. Uh, so uh, that that was you know that was a pretty uh, pretty cool blessing. And then the NBA 2K League does a league here in New York City where the the, in, the NBA teams all pay uh, individuals to play for that franchise. Uh, and you live in that city, you get an NBA contract, you get benefits and everything like that from the NBA. Uh, and then they come every week here in New York City. Uh, usually during the spring, so usually like March or April all the way through like August. So for about four, five, six months, uh, they play here, and they play for like over a million dollars throughout the season, but you get a do, you do get a salary. And they were looking for a host and things of that nature, so it was me and a few other people. Uh, we're the host. We have a sideline reporter. We've got uh, play-by-play guys and things of that nature, and they have a studio, a nice, beautiful studio in New York City. Uh, so that's kind of how I got hooked up with the NBA 2K and their uh, NBA-run NBA 2K League. So a little backstory there, but uh, video games have been prominent in my career the last, I would say, four, five, six, seven years. Uh, I do Madden tournaments throughout the country. Uh, when we were texting this past weekend, I was up in Foxwoods uh, doing a tournament. Uh, and I usually do it with uh, Bart Scott and some other NFL players, uh, former NFL players that we do that with. And uh, I go around the country uh, doing these Madden tournaments for the NFL, EA. And I have my own league as well uh, that the NFL uh, sort of uh, asked me to do. And I do that throughout the year. So that's a little backstory about the, how the video games basically have taken off as much, if not more, than my personal professional television career um, nowadays. So it's been, it's been a blessing, that's for sure. And you know what? What I love about that is the fact that, as you mentioned, your career has now branched off in so many different directions because of the versatility that you add and the ability to just take those chances. You know, you had these opportunities and one just kind of, as you mentioned, steamrolled into the next. And here you are years later and you can now say that's something that you're a part of which is incredible. And that just speaks volumes to the fact that a lot of times in our careers and in life in general, we're so stuck on like what we think the end goal is supposed to be, but you didn't close any doors and, or overlook any opportunities. And now you're probably, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'd, I'd like to think that you're doing more and, and enjoying more than what you even expected when you first got started years back in, in the industry. Absolutely. It's definitely opened up some doors. Uh, I work at SNY, so that's Sportsnet New York. Um, you know, the, you know, the network that owns the Mets, uh, we're basically NBC sports, New York. That's basically what we are. Um, so you, you can sit across the country, definitely here in the tri-state area. Uh, you know, it's one of the better uh, regional sports networks and, um, NBC reached out to me because I'm, you know, I'm in the family. So I do, if they do like these big esports events and they usually do in the summer, like I do rocket league for them and things of that nature. So I'm a host and, and a reporter for them. So the network uh, they reach down into the NBC pipeline and they grab people that have a background uh, in video gaming and esports. So that was also a blessing as well. So uh, that's, you know, that's the work that I do at NBC Sports and I work with them, uh, you know, often at times throughout, throughout the summer. So uh, you're right. It's definitely been a branch. And, you know, you look at esports now and video gaming just with the demographics, the young people. So a lot of these companies and a lot of these networks are trying to do anything to sort of reach that younger demo. And this is this is a great way, great way to do it. When you look at the streaming, uh, you look at all the everything that we do digitally, electronically. Um, you know, it's just a great avenue for all of that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's remarkable, and that's exciting. I'm glad that you explained that 
you know, in more detail because I had no idea. And I was thinking one thing. I, I figured it was voiceovers and doing voicing, but I had no idea the magnitude of all that's involved with that opportunity. So congrats on that. But I did, as you mentioned, you. since you work with SNY up in New York, I did want to have you on this week to also get into what's going on around the NBA, specifically with the Nets, because we saw Kyrie Irving made his return to Brooklyn. He's back on the court, and uh, he hasn't returned quietly. He's been in the news. There's been a lot of a lot of things going on from his arguments, you know, about if you're not in our locker room, stay the f out. You know, then he was talking about comparing himself to Martin Luther King, which we just celebrated. Martin Luther King Day on Monday, and um, he was crucified for that. I mean, talk to us about what is going on with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn as he's trying to figure out his identity with a, a, a new team and how he fits into it, especially dealing with injuries, which makes it even harder to make that transition. Yeah, that, that's, that's the big key. You know, it's, the frustrations are starting to boil over. Here's a team that's, you know, what, five, six games under – uh, 500. Uh, this happened last week, I believe Wednesday. They had that loss to the Sixers, and that's when you got the comments where he was basically saying, "Hey, we need some help here. Like, we need to add some pieces." Um, and I, and I, I will give him credit on this because when he said it that Wednesday, and I was actually working at SNY last weekend, so I got to kind of you know deal with all of this, the fallout from it, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, things of that nature, and um, he basically said, "Look, you know, you know, it was a tough loss to the Sixers. We need some more help." We need some different pieces, blah, 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 blah. And what the problem that he had was he sort of name-checked people that were okay, <laughs> that he would like to ride with. Like, you know, right. you know this guy's good, this guy's good. <laughs> so he named some teammates, and I think that's what kind of made it bad in his mind. And to his credit, and I do like this. Look, we mentioned this on SNY, myself and the panelists, Sal and Moose and those guys. You know, we were all in agreement. Like, we like when athletes speak out, please. Look, you're going to get some critiques, but I have no problem with what he said. And I sort of backed him up on that. I'm like, look, he's speaking his mind. He's speaking freely. Um, all the other nonsense, I, I'm, not, I'm not really trying to defend the flat earth and all the other nonsense about Martin Luther King. And uh, just face value what he said. He didn't back away from it. Look, I mean, it's like LeBron James. Remember, he was sort of under the tutelage of LeBron. Remember, LeBron said we're top heavy as F. You know, back in the day when we was at Cleveland, that's Absolutely. basically what he was kind of saying. It's like, look, we we got me, we got Katie, you know, you know, the fro's pretty good. We got a decent shooter, you know, but it's like, look, you can't pay everybody. So they do need to get a little deeper. I actually think the Nets are one of the deeper teams in the Eastern Conference. That's the funny thing. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't really back away, but he did say, I did meet with the guys and they met last Friday at a team meeting. He, he spoke to those guys, he spoke to all of his teammates, spoke to, uh, you know, the Atkinson, the coach, the GM, Marks and all those guys. And uh, he did clarify, look, I, I wasn't trying to offend any, any of the teammates. And that's the only thing that he backed up from. So I was glad that he kind of stuck with his guns. And he basically told everybody in the media, look, you're not in our locker room. You can get the F out uh, if you don't want to hear this. So I had no problem with any of that. It was the name checking of certain players, leaving other players out in the cold. But in what he was trying to accomplish, I see what he's saying. Bottom line, Renee, the Nets are a 500 team when he's not playing. They're about five, six, seven games under 500 when he does play. So the Nets are actually better without him than they are with him, i.e. Boston Celtics two years ago, Eastern Conference Finals game seven, one game away from the finals. You bring them back, you get to the second round, and you lose four straight to Milwaukee. Their record in Boston was really good without him than it was with him. So, you know, that's, that's what people look at. But clearly, he's probably got the best handles in the NBA of all the point guards. Clearly an all-star. 
So I don't want to go too far and hear people say, well, clearly they're better without him. No, that's just a little small snapshot. It's interesting. It's part of the byline. But, no, you're a better team with Kyrie Irving. You're going to get this. The Nets understood that. And this is what you're going to get, a guy that speaks his mind. He's now home, grew up in South uh, – I mean, grew up uh, outside of Newark and Orange. So you're going to get some of this, a guy that's very articulate, very smart. And uh, here's a guy that's not just going to shut up and dribble. Yeah, and you know what? You, you hit on so many great points, and starting with the fact that it is okay for, these, for athletes to be able to speak up and have a voice. And that's something that I feel like we're still adjusting to as a society when they speak up and say things. And I, I, I threw the question out there to get your take, but I actually – I liked what he was saying. You know, he is saying, in other words, this is our team. We're going to talk about things. We're going to handle things as a team and stay out of it, basically. You know, and even with his what he was saying about Martin Luther King, he wasn't comparing himself. And I love the way, or hate the way, I should say, but the way that it was twisted to make it seem like he is trying to put himself on the level of Martin Luther King. It's not. You know, we're stretching things. We've seen him, we've seen people giving him backlash, criticizing him, whether it's fans, the media, or even people like, Kendrick Perkins and Kevin Garnett making comments about him with the Celtics. He's, he's been under a lot of heat. But what I do like about all of this is for him as someone that we saw that openly came out about mental health issues and, and dealing with that. And then we saw him get sidelined for a couple of months with, his, with an injury. He's back. And it seems like he came back different. He came back, as you, you know, with, with a little bit more pep in his step. He's speaking up more. He doesn't seem like he's, you know – weighed down by any of this pressure because as you mentioned everyone's quick to say they're better without him but they said the same thing about John Wall with the Wizards we've seen that with players like the James Harden and Russell Westbrook's Kyrie Irving I mean Isaiah Thomas there's a lot of great players in the league that people are quick to try to act like they're better without you you know so moving forward for the future of Brooklyn I think you know for New York fans in general whether in Knicks fans or Net fans it has been a tough season overall, but as you mentioned, there's there's a, a diamond in the rough there that we, we're overlooking. So, I mean, what are yeah, your thoughts? Go ahead. Take it away. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, finish your – no, go ahead. No, definitely go ahead. I apologize. Finish your sentence. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just going to ask. So, you know, as someone that's working closely with them, being in New York, see, we're – so many of us are removed, so we just see the games. We just see what's going on in the court. You're getting that behind-the-scenes look, as you mentioned, interviews and being in the locker room, things like that. What are we missing? You know, you talk about the depth. What else are we missing that the Nets have, aside from <laughs> Kevin Durant, obviously, coming back when he gets back next season? Uh, what else are we missing that's going to make this team not only a top team in the East, but possibly in the entire NBA? Well, I mean, you look at it last year, they, you know, they, they had a little bit better record, um, you know, with, with some of the things that D'Angelo was able to do. Um, you know, that they, they played better. They were, they were scrappy. They were an underdog team last year. And, you know, one, no one really gave them a shot. They went to Philly. They stole a game. They weren't going to beat the Sixers uh, in, in that playoff series, but they looked tough. They went down fighting. Scrappy team. This year, you know, more of a bullseye on them. You got Kyrie. Now he's been out and had that shoulder impingement. He was gone for what since middle of November, right? So almost two months. Actually, surprisingly, I was reporting the week before. I'm like, man, this doesn't look good. They think he's weeks away. Well, it was only one week, and he came back. And, look, he's you know, still, excuse me, still putting up good numbers. You know, he's got, you know, he had 30-something the other night. So, Look, the problem is, it is, it's Kevin Durant. That's what they're missing because he is, he's not Batman. He's Robin. Uh, you know you're a good team if Kyrie Irving is your number two player, just mm -hmm. like Cleveland yes. had in 2016 when they tied. That's what they need. They need the big guy. You know what I'm saying? That's going to make them go. That's going to get them uh, back into, uh, you know, the NBA playoff race. Right now they're still, you know, 7-8-C. They're close. They're, they'll probably make it, likely. Uh, but, 
he even he even mentioned this. <laughs> this is a little small fact that no one got out of it, but he's like, I'm not satisfied with you know seventh place or eighth place in the Eastern Conference. Well, that's what they are right now. Yeah, you when you're you're your most dynamic players in the NBA, your best player right now that's healthy, he's still a six foot six foot one point guard. How far can you go with that? And that the, the cast that he has, which is a good cast, it's not a great cast. They don't they don't they don't scare anyone. They definitely wouldn't be favored over any of the top four teams in the East. Probably five teams. They're not better than Indy. They're not better than Boston. They're not better than Philly. Not better than Milwaukee. Not better than Miami. That's five teams right now that they they'd be lucky to get a game in a series. So what is the expectation for this team? I always thought it was out of whack because of what they did last year. Now what they are this year is pretty much the same team as that they had last year. You swap out D'Angelo, you bring in Kyrie. Kyrie's a better player than D'Angelo Russell. We all agree with that. But, I mean, when it comes to the analytics and looking at it on the margins, win shares and things of that nature, eh, probably about the same. So, for me coming in, I thought they'd be around a 35 to 40 win team, maybe close to 500. They're about that right now, four, five, six games under. We'll see where, you know, where, you know, where, where things lie. Uh, you know, coming up post All Star break, they'll likely get in the playoffs, but they're going to get matched up with a Milwaukee or a Philly or Boston, and you know they'll they'll be they'll be happy if they get two games. I could not agree more. I, I think for the Nets and for anybody that's a Brooklyn fan, you kind of just have to take this in stride and and realize that this is. For, especially for the Nets with having Kyrie Irving working back in, Kevin Durant, who's still out. It's a marathon. You know, the success is not going to happen right away. So anything you take now, you just take as, you know, the, the, the rest of the guys able to get some, some good minutes, get some good confidence. So now when you add a healthy Kyrie, when you add a healthy Kevin Durant, hopefully they can just hit the ground running instead of having to kind of regroup and, and, and start it from scratch. So, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting that you mentioned these things because, you know, as someone that's working up there in New York, you're getting a sense of what this team is all about. You know, and a lot of people just look at records and, and the fact that they are at the bottom of the East and all the, you know, the losses, but we're not taking into consideration all that's missing and all that's growing with the losses. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens because the East can be theirs. As, you know, as next year could definitely be theirs. So as yeah, we, especially when we're looking at Giannis and where he's going. But you're right, this was not yeah. about 2019-20. This was all about 2020-21 for the Nets. Mm-hmm. That's what this was about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's exciting. Just right now it's painful. But it'll get there. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> um, but let's, sh- let's shift into the NFL because, you know, you do work in all the sports. But I do want to get your take because we did see some incredible AFC and NFC championship performances with the 49ers and the Chiefs coming out on top as they are geared to match up in the Super Bowl. Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. And Andy Reid finally gets over the hump. He's headed to the Super Bowl. You know, there's a lot of pressure on him. Patrick Mahomes, who you cannot, you cannot even overlook all the, the tremendous records and numbers that he's putting up each game. But your initial thoughts on the Chiefs went over the Titans. Well, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, originally born and raised there. So uh, it was tough to see my Titans go down. Um, I, I thought the Titans got away from their true identity. They were up to nothing, but I still think it was, you know, it was too much Ryan Tannehill. It's like, look, you guys beat the defending Super Bowl champs and the Ravens, two of the top three teams in the AFC, back-to-back weeks on the road mm-hmm. by giving it to that monster back there in the backfield. I like Ryan Tannehill. I don't want him leading me to victory, though. <laughs> I'm just – I don't understand that. And they have to lead, and it's like, just run, Derek. Just run them. 
keep feeding them like you did against Baltimore. And I just think they got out of sorts. They got too cute. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. No, go, ahead, they, go ahead, Renee. I was saying, if it ain't broke, don't don't try to fix it. Don't try to change it. You know, and Derek Henry. Cal Shanahan didn't try to change it, did he? Did Cal <laughs> Shanahan change it? <laughs> but that's no, the thing. He didn't. I mean, the Titans had a, a remarkable run to even get to the AFC Championship, and we saw them, as you mentioned, knocking off the Ravens and the Patriots, which no one expected them to do to beat one, let alone both of them, on the road. And Derrick Henry has been unstoppable. So why, why change it up and why try to get cute now that you are at this point of, of the, and being so close to the Super Bowl, go with what's been working. Ah, I'm they have to lead two 10-point leads. No, they have to lead two 10-point leads. Even in, the fourth, even in the fourth quarter, it's like, guys, you're only down four. You're not down 40. Run the man. This is what you do. You're a physical, hard-nosed team. You, this is, you know, your front-running team in the sense that that's what you want to do. You want to play these games close so you can keep the run threat available. Um, you know, but, yeah, then when they get down 17, it's like, all right, now we have to see Ryan Tannehill. And they made some plays at the end, but it wasn't enough. But clearly did not like the game plan there. So I, I'm definitely not a fan of that. But back to the Chiefs. This thing started changing around week 10, week 11 for those guys. They went to Foxborough, won. Uh, I, you know, not a, not a pretty game. Mahomes didn't throw a touchdown in the second half. Uh, his numbers this year weren't nearly as gaudy as they were last year. His numbers were actually down a bit this year, but he was more efficient, and the defense got better. That's the thing. Frank Clark and those guys, Jones and those guys, the front four, they can get after the quarterback. Uh, the secondary playing a little bit better. And with Honey Badger back there, you know, patrolling the areas uh, on the defense. So that's been a key for those guys. And, like, you look at his numbers yesterday, four total touchdowns, still under 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, not, it wasn't vintage Pat, you know, Mahomes, but that run at the end of the first half, that was a backbreaker for the Titans. I think that actually won the game for the chiefs. They were able to take the lead and then they really didn't look back after that. This is a scary team. Andy Reid in the second half, no one's talking about this. Look at what he did. He was able to run the ball as well with Williams and those guys. He was taking those four and five yard runs because the Titans were giving it to him by playing coverage. So I like the you know, coaching job, masterful job uh, by Andy Reid and his staff. Eric Bieniemy he needs to be a head coach. I'm sorry he's calling the plays. Give this man a shot there. Um, so, yeah, I like what the Chiefs are doing. It's going to be tough, though, going against that Niners defense and the way they're playing as well, which is they are like the Titans with a little bit more speed. They'll get you in a phone booth and beat you up a little bit. It's going to be a rock fight. It definitely is, and that's a perfect transition as we get into the 49ers win. I mean, they went up early and did not take their foot off the gas, and I know even at halftime I was kind of throwing out the question just to see what people would, you know, what Packers fans and whoever else would think if they were going to have it in them to make a second-half comeback. Of course, they they made it – they at least got on the scoreboard (laughs) after being shut out. But, you know, this game was over early, and the 49ers have been, especially in the postseason, very clean, very, very dominant. And they, unlike the Titans, continue to use what's been working and uh, got a, what was a very lopsided, one-way, one-sided win all the way through. So your thoughts on the 49ers as they get ready to take on the Chiefs? I think about Kyle Shanahan. I think about Houston uh, three years ago, Super Bowl 51. I think 28-3. to three. And I think meeting Belichick the following uh, – that after the Super Bowl – uh, at the uh, scouting combine uh, in Naptown in Indianapolis. And I think Belichick gave it to him. It's like, dude, you were still throwing the ball up 28-3, so we can kind of disguise some things and devise some things to come after you 
why didn't they run the ball up 25 points? If they just threw it out throughout the course of the second half, at least the clock is running a little bit, uh, and at least the threat of the run. So he abandoned that. And yesterday you can see clearly, you know, a dedication to the run game. And I think at one point, didn't they run the same play like 10 or 11 times, like back to back to back? Yeah. Uh, you know, he brought that stretch, uh, you know, the stretch, the, uh, the zone runs from his dad's system and things of that nature. So, yeah, see, uh, you know, you look at San Fran, they're a beast on offense, the way the offensive line is playing. Garoppolo, it's looking like the Titans formula, right? He's got like eight attempts, you know, six completions, under 100 yards. Uh, they have a great tight end like the Titans do. Uh, they got a great backfield, three, a three-headed monster back there. And I don't know if Coleman, it looks like, I don't know if it was the elbow or the arm that he hurt the other day. Probably, probably won't play. But you still have, you know, Brita. Uh, and you got Mostert back there. And here's a guy that's been cut, what, five, six, seven times? Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, they've got a great offensive line. And then that defense, that front four can just get after you. It's going to be an exciting Super Bowl. I tend to believe that I'd put my money on the 49ers because I think they're a little bit better defensively. Offensive line, a little bit better than Kansas City. Kansas City's going to have to win this game one way. And that is they're going to have to get in the gun. Patrick Mahomes is going to have to play well. He's going to have to go for three, 350, 400 yards, probably four touchdowns to win this game. San Fran can win it um, in a multitude of ways. They can win it in a phone booth, a rock fight. They can outscore you. Uh, they, can, they can slow you down. They can win it 10-6, win it 138. Um, so I, I want to see how they can uh, play. But you give the Chiefs credit. Defensively, they've gotten better. It's not like they're switch cheese on that uh, on the defense anymore. Yeah, yeah, and that is that's an area of weakness that has always been exposed when the Chiefs got to the playoffs. And this is the year that we finally see them tightening up on defense. And as you mentioned, though, on the other side with the 49ers, with players like Raheem Mostert and I mean Jimmy Garoppolo is a solid quarterback. He's really making a name for himself because he's just being he's just consistent. And when you have the the weapons around you like he does, that's all you need. You know, you have players like Tevin Coleman and Debo. So, and then of course you've got Richard Sherman. It's just, it is a very uh, scary team on both sides of the ball. And that's what makes them so dangerous at this point in the year because their offense, their defense, their special teams, my gosh, the Packers looked like babies at times. The way they were forcing turnovers and interceptions and things. It was like, wow, this is like a varsity team playing a JV team. This is, this is what we're getting in the NFC championship. This is, this is your best. You know, <laughs> but I do have, yeah. you know, it did raise the question. I know for me and a lot of people, as we always talk about top quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, does this take away from his legacy at all in any way as being a top quarterback? Because once again, here he is in the playoffs and unable to execute and, and get the job done. But it's more than just him that, that was exposed in that Packers, in the Packers inability to just get anything going, especially with that brutal first half. So, Larry, yeah, you, you, to- you look at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he, he, you know, it's funny. Aaron Rodgers still won Super Bowl. You know, he's what 35, 30, He's getting up, he's getting up there thirty six now. It's like, hey, if it's if it is if it's not going to happen now, then when? You know, I was in Boston when the Patriots went what nine, ten years between Super Bowls. So it's not like they had all of that success. They had it early and they had it late. There exactly. was a lull in the middle. So we'll see if he can get that fountain of youth at the end. Mm-hmm, without a doubt. So where can our listeners follow you across social media and the work that you're doing to keep up with all that you're doing in sports coverage and video games, Madden, and 2K, all that you've got going on. You're a very busy man. <laughs> yes, you can find me on SNY, so you can catch SNY or Regional Sports Network, NBC Sports New York. But we're on across the country. It's uh, one of the uh, uh, networks that is uh, seen throughout the country on uh, ATTUverse and our DirecTV Channel 639. I actually watched him before I took the job 
in New York when I was in Orlando. So I used to watch sports night and all the baseball coverage. It should be interesting to see how the Mets come back this year and what they're going to do with their manager, which I'm being told will happen this week. So by the end of the week, the Mets will have a manager. We'll see if it's Dusty Baker from down there in the D.C. area or maybe uh, you know one of these other candidates uh, there. But you can follow me at Mr. Larry Ridley. That's M-R and my name, Larry Ridley. That's on all of the social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. I don't really do anything with Facebook, uh, just a little fan page, but I do uh, mostly on uh, – I will trap, as the kids like to say, uh, <laughs> and traffic in Twitter and IG. <laughs> Aren't you cool? <laughs> I've got four kids and I've got a teenage son that's 19 in college. So, yes. Oh, goodness. They're keeping you young. (laughs) They are. Dressing young, too. Too funny. Too funny. Yes, right? Well, thank you so much for joining the show, sharing your thoughts on what's going on, and even sharing your your work that you're doing for anyone that's unaware of, you know, all the opportunities that are out there. So I appreciate you touching on that as well as Kyrie Irving in the Nets, and of course your NFL predictions. Curious to see if the 49ers do win it all, but like you said, I cannot agree more. It's going to be an exciting Super Bowl. Thank you so much for joining me on the headlines with Renee Washington. It's been a pleasure having you on. Renee, I really appreciate it. Call me anytime. Thank you, Kylan. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I hope that you are enjoying episode 24 so far. I just want to remind you that you can follow and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, we're on Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM every Wednesday. And now we are also on Spotify. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, that follow button, leave a comment or a rating. And I hope that you're enjoying each and every episode, each and every Wednesday, right here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. All right, back to the show. Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Joining me this week to get into all the excitement around the WNBA and women's sports in general, we've got Jasmine Baker joining the show. She's a PR consultant, journalist, motivational speaker, and overall a women's sports advocate. So it's perfect to have you on the show, Jasmine. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to have you here, and I'm looking forward to, to getting into all that's going on. So exciting news broke out. Uh, earlier last week that the WNBA and the WNBPA had a had reached a CBA, a new agreement, collective bargaining agreement. And in that included a lot of great changes for all of the women, including increased salaries, better better um, pay when, and full pay, I should say, on maternity leave, better accommodations when they're traveling so they're no longer sharing a hotel room, but they get their own hotel room. It increases everyone's salary and, tremendously and just provides them with a better quality of life. What were your initial thoughts once you saw the news break about the CBA? I was in shock. Um, just the fact that the we not only did we get a new commissioner um, within the same you know year that we were also getting this new CBA, but that she's been so progressive. But to see uh, just that the players came through for themselves, that the league listened, um, that 
they were able to really get what they asked for, which is probably one of the more progressive CBAs we've ever seen in the league. Um, and to see a league full of predominantly black women getting it done in the, in the you know, largest uh, running league, professional league, women's league in the country, this was monumental. And I, I couldn't have been more happy for these athletes. Yeah, and one of the great things is, as you mentioned with the new commissioner, with Kathy Engelbert and and the league being so um, in the forefront with all of this and being so proactive, we saw them as the news broke. They're out on Good Morning America. You know, she was there with some of the players. We saw all the the social media buzz. It has been a collective effort to on all areas for the players and even, even people around the game to help make this possible. You know, for you as someone that, and myself, I I put myself in this category, you know, we speak highly for women's sports and making change in women's sports. You know, what is, what do you take away from this for the future of the WNBA? And then we'll take it a step further for the future of women's sports in general. You hit the nail on the head with the the part B of that question, but um, (laughs) to to definitely, um, look at just the league exclusively. Well, it gives you, first of all, it gives you the opportunity to not only, uh, it allows us to bring it home and keep it home. Um, You know, far too often for people who are not familiar, a lot of players go overseas to make, make the, truly make a living overseas. Top players, players in general, they make the majority of their money overseas after the season is up. So they're generally playing year round. So the fact that we're, and we've seen, you know, top players were out last season because of injuries. So now we're able to keep injuries down, keep players home, allow them to be around their families. Like you said, quality of life. I mean, um, you know, and even work-life balance to a certain extent. So um, we're able to have that. Um, We're able to have ambassadors for the game here at home. Uh, making money here at home during the off season, you know, obviously we've seen Candace Parker's one of the more visual uh, athletes who have mm-hmm. stayed home, but it's still not enough. I mean, you know, I, I would love to see more NBA opportunities, college opportunities for these players to stay home, but not just that, you know, make a living while they're home. So I, I think it, it, it definitely sends a message in that regard that, um, sports basketball in general in this country needs to step up, especially when you, you know, we're, we're currently hearing about, you know, the controversy with lack of female coaches in the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have all stars who are trying to figure out what they're going to do while they're here. And it's just mind boggling. I understand not all of them can coach, but at the end of the day, let me, let's make sure there are opportunities out there for these players. Cause you know, some of them, we saw um, Sydney Colson. I know she, I want to say it was Hewlett Packer. I know she was working for some tech company along with some other athletes. So there are other opportunities out there for these players during the off season, but um, I'm excited about that. And just the fact that we get to keep players home. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point. You talk about that work-life balance and, you know, now having the ability to, for these wives, mothers, uh, providers to be able to support their families and not really have to go out and find other jobs. And of course, you can always go out and make extra money. No one's saying that there's anything wrong with that, but it shouldn't be that you have to go out and whether it's coaching or whatever, getting a a job or work playing overseas, you now have the option to, to potentially 
solely support your family on your WNBA salary. And that's something that a lot right. of sports think- struggle with outside the NBA and NFL, honestly, and M- baseball, hockey. But aside from the major sports and definitely in women's sports, you don't have that. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to point out, I totally agree. And I think, too, I think it's interesting that, you know, Kathy was going to have to win me over. Um, because in the past, I think what you've seen is um, these Fortune 500 uh, executives coming over into the WNBA thinking that they can, you know, apply some of these, you know, some of these things to the league. And they haven't been aggressive. They haven't won us over. They haven't. They definitely have not won the players over in terms of voter confidence. I think this helps with that vote of confidence. But the fact that Kathy was able to come in, not not for the simple fact that last season she was able to make changes during the playoffs in terms of getting the players better traveling accommodations in the playoffs, not even just that, which is very important, but to do that and then go from um, – her focus has been, you can tell, trying to uh, win these players over because it's it's no secret that players do not have the best relationship with the league's office. And so I think her trying to rebuild that relationship, that rapport, and then you kind of see that with the CBA. Um, I know obviously she wasn't the only one involved with that. But seeing that and her bringing in these big companies to make the investment in the players um, because now there's a a career development element to the, you know, teams now where um, they'll be working with, um, you know, sponsors, uh, affiliated leagues and teams to work during the off, during the off season and post playing, you know, after they've done playing, that's another element that she's, you know, helped bring in. So, to me, enough cannot be said about what the players have done with this, but the fact that she's made this type of a priority too, because I cannot stress enough, you have to be able to make the investment. And I think what the what the sponsors are doing is, is definitely going to make is gonna be leaps and bounds for the players and, and almost go back to your point, um, your your point B what that does for women's sports in general, because nothing is more empowering than what a woman can do off the field as well. Yeah, and you know what? That's what Kathy was brought in to do was to help make yeah. this make this change. And I was as I was looking through articles and stories and stuff like that, I came across an August article that was talking about how the players are ready to, to sit out if needed. You know, they were mm-hmm. they were ready to go to be whatever extreme necessary to make this CBA happen because in the past we saw the CBA get denied and nothing changed. And for this past year, with the base salary at $75,000, the average comp- compensation at $116,000, and then as, as players complained about, there really was nothing for moms. You know, you mm-hmm. remember seeing Skylar Diggins and different new moms dealing with trying to almost hide their pregnancy and keep it a secret so that they could make money and, and have to work around the rules because there was nothing in place for that. So it also right. is like we're still, it was still such an old fashioned mindset in terms of how the women were treated. And we see it across women's sports where they don't consider the fact that, okay, you don't have to worry about maternity leave with any male sports. You don't, but you do for the women's sports. <laughs> it's just, you have Definitely. to, just like in the workplace. So I guess my next question yeah. to you is, I mean, where do you go from here? This is just the beginning 
of course. This is not the 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 solve all plan. You know, there's gonna have to be more that happens in the future. And I guess how if if, if you're Kathy, I'll put you in her shoes. You know, how do we expand from this and grow to continue to progress? And as you mentioned, bringing in sponsors and businesses to make this in, you know, the beginning of something great and not just the end of it all. I think that's really what it comes down to, though, Um, making sure this isn't the end and looking at um, how do we continue to make this a viable situation, not just for players, but for sponsors as well. Because, you know, when people talk about um, the money and where the money comes from and a lot of the, these other um, huge male male pro leagues, a lot of it's TV money, a lot of it's sponsorship money that they're getting. Because some of these teams do lose right. money. For as many yep. people want to say this about the WBA, a lot of your favorite male teams are losing money too. So this is the part of the business. So at the end of the day, we want to make sure that's a continue, you know, a continuation. Um, we want to make sure, I think, too, that we're, it, it's more so like, you know, when you go back to the work-life balance, um, making sure you're staying on top of that. Because here's, here's my thing. Far too often, you get in a situation where people are putting something out there because they like, oh, okay, here's what it, the CBA says. So this is, we're going to go ahead and put something out for, say, daycare. Well, if daycare is not adequate enough or, um, for example, at the games and stuff like that, if certain things are not adequate enough, then it needs to be on the league to make sure that those things are adequate enough, not just that somebody put something there to, to say we did it, right? Mm, yes, so, it has to make sense. We, Yes, exactly. Because then you're going to be back at square one with players complaining yet again, as they should. So, and, you know, as we know, moms do not play about their kids. So (laughs) they definitely don't want those problems. Um, But then you have to look at, you know, what what people haven't talked about. Now, obviously, usually you don't talk about fans during the CBA, but I think it needs to be considered if you're Kathy. You need to be considering um, fans going forward, too, because they're just as much a part of the game and, you know, especially when we talk about players as anybody else. So that really needs to be considered because when you hear about the complaints of the fans, it's just unacceptable because it's the basics that play, but that, that fans are complaining about. And it's one of those things that if you want to um, continue to have a um, going to I guess, successful years in this league, you're going to have to figure out, face that and figure it out. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, I feel like with core fans, you're not going to lose core fans, but it's going to be really difficult to keep new fans, to bring in new fans, frankly. And, you know, it's a matter of that. And, and you know, people have complained because, you know, they also look at the type of muscle that the WNBA uses during the off season. Well, if it seems like you aren't investing in the in the in keeping people's interest during the you know during the off season, you know that has to be something that needs to be considered too. How do we keep, how do we engage with fans during the off season? Because you know that can be difficult to do. Almost to a certain point, uh, bridging the NCAA gap. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. You know, stuff like that needs to be considered. Making sure you have merch, uh, you know, at least in your own market, because. I can tell you now, I'm based here in Dallas, Texas, and 
I can tell you right now, I can find, um, <laughs> you know, I could probably find teams from outside the state at my local Walmart or Target, but I cannot find Dallas Wings gear except for a Dallas Wings game. Mm. Um, so to me, yeah, oh, it's, it's That's a good it's point. Very, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? And so it begs the question, are they thinking about it? So, you know, it's things like that that need to be considered. And, you know, people have been complaining. This is not anything new. People have been complaining about this. So it's things like that that, that I think will definitely help um, Kathy. Because I think she's she's definitely on, uh, on track. Uh, the CBA was something that was high on the priority list, obviously. So now I'm waiting to, you know, <laughs> I'm the type of person. I'm at the age now. I'm like, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Yes. Right? Yes. No, that's that's it. I mean, the financial side of it is just one huge part of it. Don't get me wrong, but part of building mm-hmm. up the league and part of building up any women's sports in general is you have to have the fans there. And you look at the success of leagues like the NBA, the NFL, what baseball and hockey are trying to do is to try to make sure they're connecting fans with players so that you see them as a husband, a chef, a, a swimmer, or what, like whatever their hobbies are, whatever they like, whether it's Taco Tuesday, like you find you have ways you connect with players outside of the game. So now when you see them on the court, you feel like you know them. You feel like you're, you know, that's someone that you want to root for. That's someone you want to go out and spend money on to buy gear and tickets or whatever else. And you need to have mm-hmm. that same connection with the women that they become yes. a household name and someone that kids are looking up to as well as, you know, families wanting to go see and, and things like that. And part of your everyday conversation. You know, we're talking about what's going on on Twitter with, with whoever. Are we talking mm-hmm. about that in the WNBA? You know, are we having those same conversations? Right. And this is something, as we talk about with all women's sports, the U.S. women's soccer team has been very openly protesting their their pay as well. Other women's sports have to figure out how do we make this happen to, A, increase, continue to increase salaries across all sports, but then also increase that connection with fans. So there's a lot more that has to happen. This is just a, a stepping stone. Definitely in the right direction, but yes. not, not the end-all, be-all. So... Your thoughts yeah. on the growth for women's sports as a whole and how, you know, we, we, we need to make this happen for our athletes. I know that's partly why I stopped playing soccer. It, you, there wasn't a future in it in terms of careers and salaries, things like that, being able to make a living. So exactly. your thoughts. Well, you know, I think it, you hit the nail yet again. You hit the nail on the head, girl. At the end of the day, yes, when you don't see a viable option, I mean, <laughs> you know, I tell my dad all the time, you know, I probably would have, <laughs> I probably would have changed my mind when it came to basketball if we were at this point when I was like in high school playing, mm, right? Like my okay. freshman year, I probably would have. Now, whether or not I would have made the league doesn't matter. But when you give a young woman that type of aspiration, that type of dream that she could possibly take care of herself or be the breadwinner of her own household that means something in this country because you know, our, you know, just the way we're women are socialized, that that's, that's important. Right. So, um, and, and the beauty of it is to 50% revenue. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which is huge, which is huge. And hence go, going back to the whole sponsorships and everything like that. These are the things that matter when it comes to women's sports. And so, um, I think it's, 
you're you're adding another element to sports. Because here's my thing. Far too often people don't make the investment in women's sports, not realizing A, how much they're missing out on. Um, I think a lot of people don't know how to market women's sports well. So they far too often or they don't value women. Because let's be honest, there are people out there in high ranking positions who just don't value women. So they don't make the investment in women, right? Mm, or they expect <laughs> or they expect men alone to figure out how to uh, market women, which can be difficult for them, right? So I think when you're able to put these different women in different positions um, during season, um, out of season, it goes a long way with uh, visibility um, because for me, I find that women's sports adds to sports and I, I'll be so happy the day that certain outlets understand that um, and not just pawn us off on our own, just giving us our own thing as opposed to just including us right. in sports in general. So um, I'm excited, though. I really am excited the direction that we're going in and the direction our country is going in as far as women deserve more women deserve better not the basics when it comes to sports is everything and i'm so excited because you know my my friend uh she coaches at a high school and um my best friend she coaches at a high school in um uh houston and she just had a daughter and you know she's just everything right and i i'm excited for her because she's getting to grow up in a society mm. where women are making that type of money, but her mom's a, you know, like I said, her mom's a coach, so she's able to see not only her mom empower her, but also her father's a football coach. So, and her father is, you know, he gets it, right? And then a few, right. few men get it. So I think it's it's so empowering that they get to encourage your daughter, be like, look, you get to possibly play in the WNBA, and we as women can finally talk about the the league the same way boys talk about the NBA and possibly mm-hmm. going to the NBA sometime. That, that to me is so beautiful. Yeah, and that's what all the players are talking about. This is them at, they're doing this for the next generation. You know, yes. and that's something that's, that's really special to give young boys and girls a chance to look up to these women athletes as, as idols to want to be like them, to look at them as role models, to want to one day be at that stage. That's that is mm-hmm. what it's all about. Inspiring the next generation to have something to believe in and something to enjoy and love to watch. So, Jasmine, thank you so much for joining the show. I really appreciate you coming on. I knew you'd come on and, and, and provide some great perspective on all that's been going on around the WNBA and women's sports in general. Where can our listeners follow you as you wear many hats? You're out here grinding. <laughs> and, uh, Listen, I'm trying. In many, many areas. <laughs> I'm trying to, sis, I'm out here trying to, um, you know, make waves in women's sports as the league and as the women's sports evolves. I'm trying to do the same. Um, you can follow me at We Got Game 2 on all social media. I just started writing for Swish Appeal. I'm excited about that. Shout out to Congrats. Tammy for hooking, you know, you know, looking out for your girl. That was awesome. Um, so I'm excited uh, but you can keep up with all women's sports um, on all social media with me. Thank you again for having me.
Congrats on that move. That's exciting. And no problem. Anytime. Thank you for joining us this week on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington to get into all things women's sports. I love it. It's pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you on. Hey, what's up? This your boy Joker from KCMO. Got the hot new single called Red Thursday on the radio show with the host, Renee Washington. You know, the hottest host in the town. We about to turn up. Let's turn up. It's football Sunday. Let's do it. All right, everyone, it is time for a quick social media break. That's right. I want you guys to make sure you are following Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Be sure to also follow my personal pages at Renee P. Wash on Twitter and at Renee P. Washington on Facebook and Instagram. That way you can keep up to date with all the guests and topics each and every Wednesday here on Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, iTunes, and Google Play for every new episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I hope you followed, like, comment, leave some feedback. It's all welcome, and I hope that you are enjoying the show. So right now, we're going to get back to it with our Positive Vibes Only segment. It is time for our Positive Vibes Only segment, and you guys are in for a treat this week. This guest, Reggie Oliver, is a talent like no other, and this is honestly just the beginning. He's a dancer, choreographer. He is not just a dancer and choreographer, but he's performed with big names like Tony Braxton, Kiki, Macklemore, K. Michelle, Nickelodeon. He's in Pitbull's latest commercial. I see you all the time on TV. Reggie, thank you (laughs) so much for joining the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. So I don't want to shorten your list. I know you, you are doing amazing things. You know, I, I yeah. look at some of the, the ones that jump out at me. But for our listeners, take us through the performances with artists like Kiki Palmer and Tony Braxton, those big stages that you've been on so far in your career. Um, well, yeah, those artists, uh, Tony Braxton, Kiki Palmer, uh, you know, Kay Michelle, all those artists, they... Um, Without the help of Rosario McCoy, who is like my mentor, the guy who actually choreographs uh, Kiki Palmer and Tony Braxton, um, you know, a lot of those jobs wouldn't have been possible. He, you know, saw a lot of good things in me um, and he was able to pull those things out of me um, and, you know, put me on stages. Uh, I've been able to assist him for certain jobs. And, you know, it's, it's really just cool, you know, like I grew up watching Wild and Out and seeing Kiki Palmer on TV. So the fact that I get to dance right behind her, uh, even with Tony Braxton, like, you know, uh, he wasn't man enough for me. I'm sure everybody knows that song. And, uh, you know, right before Absolutely. I danced with her, uh, I was at a I was at a restaurant and uh, the song came on. And I was like, yo, it'd be really cool to like dance to this song. And then weeks later, I was dancing for her long as I live track. So, you know, all these things are just like really surreal moments for me that, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you really have a moment and it's just like, yo, like I'd have never expected to, you know, be with this person at the moment. So it's, it's really cool. It's, uh, it's very humbling and, um, it's always gonna just, you know, inspire me to keep dreaming and to just keep expecting the unexpected. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is such an incredible moment. I'm sure when you have that phone call and that conversation and then it becomes a reality as Mm -hmm. you're now practicing 
for a performance and then to perform live. It's like all these these moments that are like reality checks. Like this is actually happening. You know, when you yeah. first got started in music to be able to get to this point. But you've also now broken into TV in another way because you are mm-hmm. you have done live performances, but you've also been in commercials. I every yeah. time the, <laughs> what I can remember what the Pitbull commercial is for. It's so sad because all I do is is look for you. And if I'm <laughs> if I'm with other people, I'm like, that's I know him. That's my cousin. Which for those of you <laughs> listening, yes, Reggie is now my cousin in law. He just married yeah, yeah. my first cousin. So <laughs> um, yeah. what TV commercial, you know, what's what's been in the work on that side of things as well? Um, so it was a commercial for Boost Mobile and, uh, the choreographer was Anna, uh, she's gonna kill me for messing up her last name. I think it's like Matt, Matsutsky. Uh, I met her in Seattle when I danced for Macklemore a few years ago. And, uh, she actually just texted me. She was like, Hey, like, you know, I got an opportunity coming up. Are you free the end of October? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? She was like, oh, I want to put you on this commercial. And, um, you know, uh, Kaya and I, my wife she uh well you know who she is they don't but you know uh, we <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. uh every every time we go on like uh, our anniversary vacation or you know when the new year starts we write down our goals and one of my goals was to book either a commercial or to book a holiday special because uh you know I'm getting older now and well, I'm not that old. I'm, I just turned 27 in November, but I you was know, gonna say because I'm you... 27, <laughs> so let's watch it with the old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, dancers were it's like dog years, but <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> but um, nah. So you know, I just as I'm developing in this profession and in this career, it's really important to just learn how to allow your money to make money for you over the course of time. So mm, commercials like and yeah. So commercials and, and holiday specials, things that run more than once, you know, they'll give you residuals or a big buyout. So um, something that a lot of young dancers don't really think about right now, especially even dancers my age, we're not thinking about it a lot of the times because we're trying to get to the next job. And um, fortunately for me, like things are, set up to where I don't necessarily have to worry about getting to the next big job because I've been able to create things along the way to give myself a steady income through dance and to even possibly create longevity for myself once I decide maybe I don't want to be on set anymore. Like maybe I want to start directing or just full-fledged choreographing. So, you know, things like that come into play. But uh, I did the commercial with Pitbull it was uh, for Boost Mobile, and Anna is, like, the dopest soul that I'll ever meet, like, in the dance realm. She, uh, we had two days of rehearsal, and she, her vibe's just crazy. We all created it um, in two rehearsals. We shot for two days. It was the most non-stressful job I've ever had in my life. Um, and, you know, we had a good time. It was a party on the set, and all the cast was, you know, they were all dope. And Hannah Wintrode, she also assisted Anna. So, you know, everybody there was just like a dope spirit, you know. So when you're having fun at work, it's not really work, you know. Yeah, that's, you know, what I love a lot of the different pieces of, of what you just said, uh, starting with the fact that you are always constantly looking to branch or, you know, and, and build mm-hmm. your own identity so that you can prepare for what's next. You know, and I think yeah. a lot of times in our careers, we get so stuck on on the now or maybe we're too stuck on the end goal. Though. 
worried about those um, a big a big step in itself. But for you also taking a, a step back, you talk about being older in the career, which now you know I, I won't take offense to that. I do get that. <laughs> As any with any sport or anything like that, you do always have. There's like a a ceiling age wise that once you get to a certain number, you're starting to be considered old. So yes, you mm-hmm. are older in that sense. So yeah. let's let's go back to the beginning. Because music has brought you through and, and to so many stages as we talk about being in commercials, you know, performing beside people like Pitbull and Tony Braxton and being on live, you know, BET Awards and, and big stages like that. So mm-hmm. let's go back to the beginning where it all started, because I'm mm-hmm. sure you didn't expect to get to this point. When did you start? <laughs> what made you even get into dancing? You know, let's go back to young Reggie. <laughs> so, so young Reggie. Um, so my mom was a dancer and well, she, you know, like back in Philly, she would dance at the block party. So she would pop and, you know, do okay. things like that. So that kind of became like, you know, a natural thing for our family. Like in the living room, we would just my sister, my brother and I, my brother is the one with the least amount of rhythm. But uh, we would all just <laughs> dance in the living room and, you know, we didn't have. Uh, cable at a certain point so what I used to do is I used to you know create little mixtapes I used to use the cassette tape and I would record the music over my mom's sermons and eventually I got in trouble for it <laughs> but like my mom would uh she was okay. a pastor, so uh, I would record my mixtapes over her sermons and I would use those to practice too and then uh, she also had uh, Motown 25 where Michael Jackson performed so those two mm-hmm. things kind of elevated my want to you know perform and things like that and uh just the musical aspect too uh i was a drummer so you know music's always been in my body like my family's heavily rooted in the gospel industry um you know even before i was a dancer like you know i drummed at a lot of churches i got to play for a church of bishop paul morton and i was featured on one of his albums so that was pretty cool too and um you know all of that musical experience and just being around, you know, pastors and uh, just people who love to sing and enjoyed music. Um, like, I don't remember uh, many times where, you know, my family wasn't together when they weren't like singing or something. So I had an Uncle Junie who was a music producer. And uh, basically, like on Thanksgiving, after the family ate and everything, he would go to the piano, family would gather around and, it, you know, a Hallmark scenario. But you know, they would it. all sing and, <laughs> and, you know, sing gospel hymns and all that stuff. So, like, those are the memories I have as a kid that kind of carried me musically into adulthood that made me want to pursue dance and music and things like that. Wow. I love that family that, you know, was the foundation of what inspired you to want to get into music. You know, it, oh, was, yeah. it started at home. It started with a genuine love for music, being in, in parts in, in all aspects of music, as a drummer, you know, in church, growing up, you know, with your family, with your mom, and, and having that background of just being in a house of music, which we don't always see nowadays. A lot of families, mm-hmm. especially with technology and the way that you can, everyone just is in their own separate corners on their phones, on their tablets. We don't always see those Hallmark oh, yeah. movie mm-hmm. moments where everyone's just sitting around, no TV on, just talking, dancing, laughing, having fun. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Which leads me to have to ask, I feel like a lot of kids and a lot of people that are in in music in some way, whether as a singer, a dancer, or even they play 
instrument were kids that got in trouble for that. And so you know, like dancing around class or whatever it may be that growing up, maybe your teachers were always like, all right, Reggie, have a seat. Or, you know, everything <laughs> turned into a, a tune in, with you. <laughs> well, ironically, no. Um, ah, so, okay. uh, like in elementary school and things like that, like I was, I could always dance and stuff, but I also played sports too. So, uh the dancing part of me was a little shyer back then so i say like elementary school when i was doing pop warner football or in middle school when i was playing football and basketball like i was the athlete so dancing was something that when i would do it they'd be like "Uh, stick to sports reggie like you know and i'm I'm from (laughs) williamsport pennsylvania so you know they didn't really know what i was doing now if i did that and when we would visit philadelphia then the neighbors would be like oh you got something going on but williamsport they're not used to that and uh you know now the tables have turned and when i go back home to williamsport they're like reggie like dude we're so proud and you know but uh i would say like maybe into high school um dancing allowed me to get away with anything uh i remember uh yeah i remember i had a biology teacher um mr hansberry and we took a test one time and he was like uh reggie like you know you're trying to be a dancer right I was like, yeah he was like so does anything on this test have anything to do with what you want to do in life i was like no nah. he's like all right b minus so i'll say like you know things wow. like that <laughs> um i don't know how many people would get away with that these days but You know, it it was stuff like that. So, like, I feel like in high school or when I really started coming into myself and knowing that that's what I wanted, like the teachers and everybody basically knew I was going to be successful before I, Mm. you know. Oh, that's great because you sometimes get the opposite where people are kind of trying to beat down your dream and, and telling you that it's not going to happen. Whereas you had people that were in your corner, you know, especially once you got to high school. So then that leads me to wonder when, what was the moment where it went from being something you did for fun on the side along with sports to something that was a passion that you really took that next step in your career to pursue it heavily? Well, I mean, I eventually, hmm, I'd say like before I wanted to pursue dance, like I almost went to the Air Force. So my family is very rooted wow. in the gospel. And then the other half of my family is very militant. So uh, the recruiter never showed up. And I literally, I was graduating and I was walking across the stage. I was like, dude, I got to do something because everybody I had, you know, I was really decorated at my graduation, too, because I was in a lot of different Mm -hmm. clubs and things in my senior year. But uh, everybody, you know, had a a college attached to whatever that, you know, they were called for. And I didn't. So I tried college online. Didn't really work out. And, um, you know, that was really the moment where I was like, all right, well, this is what I'm good at. So I'm going to try it. And, uh, you know, that's really, you know, I, I really had the opportunity my senior year to fall in love with dancing, too, because I would skip lunch many days or, you know, I would go. I was in the student government room, the SGA. So they uh, allowed me to be in a lot of the school activities. So I really just got to dance that whole year. And that even led to me getting a scholarship from the principal. My mom didn't sign me up for any scholarships. And Miss Hope, she was an African-American principal. And she was like, dude, you got so much talent. And your mom didn't sign you up for anything. And I was like, nah. And she, that woman got me a $1,500 scholarship 
just because of dancing. Oh, wow. So, yeah, wow. so, like, you know, that kind of set the tone for me right there. So I was like, hmm, like, okay, like, maybe I do have something going on. And uh, honestly, my parents, my family wasn't the most supportive at the time uh, because, you know, when you're entering a, a realm that people aren't familiar mm-hmm. with, you know, they instantly get scared and they don't want you to make the same mistakes that they made. So, you know, it was a, a tough breakthrough, but, you know, we got it done. Yeah, the path untaken is tough because there has, you haven't had anybody in your family or, or someone that you can refer to that went that same direction and was successful. Mm-hmm. So that's, I feel like that's a, a lot of times, because I, I even have people that reach out to me that say they're interested in being a sports reporter but they don't have nobody in their family is big into sports or big or has been in the journalism field. So to them, it, it's foreign territory. So it's strange. Yeah. It's not possible. And mm-hmm. you hear that a lot of times when when someone is doing something new. New is yeah. sometimes you know intimidating. Mm-hmm. So now that you have overcome you know all that adversity to get to where you are now, and I know there's more parts to your story than just what you've shared today. Mm-hmm. You know what would be your message looking back? to your younger self or even to a kid or someone that's aspiring to pursue a dream that maybe is a path untaken that yeah. they aren't sure if that's worth taking that leap of faith. Um, I mean, the biggest advice, and I say this to my, my students now, like the only person that can tell, you no is yourself, you know, like the only reason, you know, that you're not ready for a job or a big opportunity. Only reason you're not ready for that is because you told yourself no first. And then you gave someone else, the opportunity to tell you no, because you told yourself no, you know, and that Mm. no can be in not training, that no can be in, you know, not waking up in the morning, because you felt like sleeping in that day when someone else is waking up trying to do the same exact thing you're doing, or just telling yourself you're not good enough. So, you know, don't tell yourself no. And I would tell myself, my younger self that for sure, Um, If I was able to, because I feel like, you know, if I did, if I could, then I'd probably be way further. You know, I probably would have done things differently. I probably would have asked more questions. I probably would have, you know, taken that trip to New York a little sooner. Like, who knows? You know, so, um, you know, a lot of fear comes with no. And, you know, people are afraid of what they can't see. So, um, you know, Mm -hmm. don't tell yourself no and just really walk on faith, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much as you t- touch on, there's so much in the the power of your of your mentality and your approach to things, you know, by mm-hmm. telling yourself yes and that something is possible as you have done, you can, you know, do the impossible. You can make your dreams a reality as you've done. So, Reggie, what's next for you? And then where can our listeners follow along with you in your journey as you are continuing to reach new heights? It seems like every time I look you're either performing or you're out yeah. doing something that you've done before. <laughs> well, uh, I, I can't say too much about it, but I did Absolutely. get a really, really good uh, ambassador slash, you know, future endorsement through a, a big water company. Um, and so my goal, honestly, is to, you know, I'm going to continue to book the jobs and, and work with the artists and do the commercials. Like, I, I want to do a million more of everything that I've already done. Um, but I also want to change the demographic of how dancers are viewed as just dancers, how once we reach a certain age, Mm. we wither away and, you know, we're just OGs that, 
you know, have nothing but memories. I want us to be viewed as uh, or, at, you know, taken as seriously as the basketball player or the NFL player. You know, there aren't many dancers that have sports endorsements or there aren't dancers that are the face of a company or the main uh, representative or icon. Um, of a brand. So I want to challenge myself to change that, you know, so whatever the future holds for myself in this water company. And um, I just got another uh, opportunity, literally getting off the plane today uh, for a clothing ambassador partnership. So it's like, I want to be the face of those types of things. You know, I want people to see them like, oh, snap, like, no, that's Reggie's, you know, Reggie's, on a ta- his name is attached to that brand, you know, um, you know, things like that. Um, I'm working on being a director and just working on my choreography and things like that. So that way, uh, two years from now, I can create other opportunities. Uh, there's something else I can't really speak too much on, but it's, uh, it's with an amusement park. Uh, I've been working with them for a few and they're working on bringing me in as one of the creative directors and choreographers. So, Um, that's really cool. And, you know, I'm just really stretching my hand at, you know, new opportunities and things that a lot of people would be scared to go on. Yes, I love it. Breaking ceilings, paving the way and changing, you know, what your industry is is seen as. And I love Mm -hmm. that you're trying to do something new to trailblaze dancers, Mm -hmm. you know, as being more than just dancers. And that's a great point. Whenever you are in something, I know even as a female in in most situations being the minority you're trying to always trying to look to help the next generation you talk about Mm -hmm. possibly being you know a little too late or not having realized things as soon as you would have liked but now you can help Mm -hmm. inspire and impact so many more people through what you've learned so thank you so much i really appreciate you joining us for our positive vibes only segment this week i love your story i love your journey I mean, aside from the fact that you're family, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm very family or not, you are doing amazing things. And I wish you you nothing but the best moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to an episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington on iTunes, Google Play and Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM. All right, everyone, as we get towards the end of episode 24 of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, by now, you've already heard from Larry Ridley, the host at SNY TV, as he shared his experience in work in video games with Madden, NBA 2K. He also shared his Super Bowl predictions. Curious to know if you guys had the 49ers or the Chiefs coming out on top of this one. And then he also gave us some great inside perspective on what's going on in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving's return to the court. And I don't know about you, but I definitely think they are a front runner for the East moving forward. Sorry, Dad. I know you're a diehard Sixers fan, but I think that the Nets with KD's return next year are definitely a, a top team coming out of the East. But we will see what happens there. And then over in the WNBA with the exciting news that broke around the CBA, we had Jasmine Baker, a woman of many hats herself, a sports advocate for females, a speaker, a PR consultant, a journalist. She got into what this means for the game, the women that have been fighting so hard to make this happen. As a former female athlete myself, it's exciting to see this change in the WNBA and hopefully the start of change across all women's sports. 
So we will continue to follow that as this is a much needed step in the right direction. And then this week in our Positive Vibes Only segment, we had an incredible talent join the show, Reggie, Reggie Oliver, excuse me. Not only is he my cousin, he is also someone that is out there making big moves in dance as a choreographer, as a director. He's performed with some of the best in the game. Names like Pitbull in his commercial, Macklemore. He's been on Nickelodeon. He's been on the BET Awards. He's performed with Tony Braxton. He had a viral video during his wedding to my cousin, Kaya Oliver. And uh, he's just the in the beginning of what is a great move in the right direction to not only grow his own career, but also to help inspire and grow the next generation. So keep an eye out for Reggie Oliver. That's a name that you will hear in the music game moving forward, I can tell you now. So now before we get into our artist of the week with Gerard Trotter, just want to remind you guys, you can tune in every single Wednesday starting at 12 p.m. Eastern time on iTunes, Google Play, Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, and now Spotify to listen to another episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode and, and all the discussions, interviews, commentary, perspective that we shared this week on episode 24. So now we have Gerard Trotter, who has two albums out on Spotify called Mr. Untouchable and Red Friday 2. He's a, he's a rapper, an athlete, a model, an actor, an entrepreneur. Always great to see people doing so many things and wearing so many hats to be involved in so many different aspects of their career. So this Kansas City, Missouri artist is going to be sharing his song, Red Thursday, to close down this episode. I thank you guys so very much for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you right back here next week. As always, give us a follow on social media, whether it's my personal pages or Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington's social media pages. Have a great rest of your week as we wind down the month of January. And I look forward to seeing you right back here for big number 25. That's episode 25. Right back here next week on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Have a great rest of your week. Gerard Trotter, a.k.a. Joker, take it away with Red Thursday. This is the Legion. Yeah, it's that boy J-O-T to the E coming from KC. You know how we get down in the K-Town. I got this Red Thursday coming up. And guess who's coming up on the stage? That girl, Diamond. And she's shaking her ass for a little bit of cash. So here we go, one more time. Red Thursday. It's that boy J-O to the K coming from KC every single day. Hustle every day, gotta get my pay They call me Jay, I slay Suckers brains into halves Now you know I'm making cash Nigga got that milk like calves Put it on the stove and then I'm on the ave I'm on the curb hustling, gritting at 816 You know we flip them chips, we gotta get them grip Don't you slip, cause we got pistol grip Girl now you know, it's a true game Hustle 816 thing now you know I got that Mary Jane Got that hemp seed Now you know I'm making W-E-E-E-D Weed money, nigga, it ain't even funny in the M-O Nigga, now you know this ain't no demo This the real deal, McCoy, it's that boy Yeah, coming with that motherfucking boy And that girl, I got that white girl I 
got that white girl, I got that white girl Her name is Christine, her name is Christine She gonna make me a million and it's gonna be clean Clean as a whistle, now you know I'm coming hard About to shoot a missile on the motherfucking boulevard Girl, don't trip, I'm about to make it ripple Girl, now you know I'm making a motherfucking slip Slip and slide all day, and now you know it's a who ride Now you get to get with that boy JT Coming from KC, yeah, you know me It's a Red Thursday thing, man I gotta get that money, man, every f***ing day, man Every f***ing day I gotta be on my grit Every f***ing day, nigga, gotta be on my grit It's a Red Thursday thing, man Cause I gotta get my grit, man, man Every f***ing Thursday, man, man Gotta get on my grit, man I'm in the booth, man, about to knock out a tooth Now you know I'm coming hard, about to shoot roofs About to break it down, nigga, we don't give a f*** let that motherfucker burn down, man. The roof is on fire. The roof is on fire. We don't give a f, man. Let that motherfucker burn, yeah. Let that motherfucker burn. The roof is on fire. The roof is on fire. We don't give a f, man. Let that motherfucker burn, man. Let that motherfucker burn, man. Let the motherfucker shine, man. 816 thing, man. It's that red Thursday, man. It's that red Thursday, man. Red Thursday, red Thursday. Yeah, we KC chiefed out in the MC mode. Now you know I'm about to make that dope. DOE, you know me, JT. Don't flip on me, man. Cause I keep it real on the game. It's shame how these motherfuckers try to come profane. About to hit you with the propane, man. Insane to the brain like Cypress Hill, man. We got the grill, man. We got the meal, man. We got the green, man. Yeah.